0: A little while ago, Pastor Willie asked the congregation to have a zeal for the lost. And I'm assuming most of us in here have been found, so we're the ones that need to go out searching, because aren't you glad that Jesus came to seek and to save that which was lost? And I'm excited about this uh, message today because you're going to hear some testimonies of people in the congregation that have a zeal for the lost. And they're going to share some encouraging words for you today. I'm hoping that what you get out of today is you're going to catch this excitement, you're going to catch this zeal that these people have, because sometimes... You know, if I can stand up and tell you, you need to go out and witness. You need to go out and witness. Why aren't you out witnessing? You get a little tired of hearing that. But if somebody tells you, I've been out witnessing, and this is the great things that God has done, doesn't that encourage you and build you up? And then you think, well, maybe maybe I could do that. That's what I'm hoping will happen today. This is actually a two-part message. The pastor's looking at me like, no, I only asked you to speak once. Um, Today is the first part of the message, and it's designed to encourage you. The second part of the message is Tuesday. We're going to have the equipping part of the message on Tuesday. Um, Because once you get excited about the Lord, what are you going to do with it? We want you to come out, and we want you to practice learning how to lead people to the Lord in a safe environment. So we have a two-part message for you today. And uh, it's really being a little more impressed on me than in past years. Ephesians 4.11, he gave some to be apostles, prophets, pastors, teachers, evangelists for the equipping of the saints. And so I realized I really need to engage more in helping equip the saints for the work of the ministry. We have Deems there and Bud Daly. And um, it's going to be a great time uh, this Tuesday Believers Fellowship. So come on out. The title of my message today is His Truth Keeps Marching On. And the subtitle of the message is Let There Be Descendants. Let There Be Descendants. 4,000 years ago, there was a man named Abram and he had an encounter with the living God. And God said to Abram, your descendants are going to be as numerous as the dust of the earth. Now realize, when he had spoken to Abram at that point, Abram had no uh, son. His only heir was his servant Eliezer from Damascus. So Abram's like, I don't have any children. How are my descendants going to be as numerous as the dust? And then God spoke to him again in Genesis 15, 4 and 5, and he said this, And behold, the word of the Lord came to him, saying, This one shall not be your heir, meaning Eliezer, but one who will come from your own body will be your heir. Then he brought him outside and said, Look towards heaven, Abram, and count the stars if you are able to number them. And he said to him, So shall your descendants be. And in Romans chapter 4, we learn something interesting. Uh, It says that Sarah's womb was dead. Okay? She was 90 years old. Her womb was dead. Babies don't come out of a 90-year-old dead womb. Abraham knew that. Everybody knew that. So something miraculous was going to have to take place if these descendants were going to come forth from Sarah and Abraham. Now who are these descendants that we're talking about? Well, there was a miracle that took place and we know that they did give birth in their old age to a baby named Isaac. And Isaac got married and had a baby named Jacob. So Abraham, Isaac, Jacob. And Jacob had how many sons? Twelve sons. And those twelve sons got married and they had babies. And they had babies. There's a math equation we could write to exponential equation. And the next thing you know, there's Jews or Hebrews crawling all over the place, right? Let there be descendants. Um, in Galatians 3.7, it says this, Therefore know that only those who are of faith are sons of Abraham. So who were the descendants? Well, they were the physical Jews or Hebrews. But Paul says that we are descendants also. So there's there was like physical descendants and there's spiritual descendants of Abraham. And the Scripture foreseeing that God would justify the Gentiles by faith preached the Gospel to Abraham beforehand saying, In you all the nations of the earth shall be blessed. So then those who are of faith are blessed with believing Abraham. So we sit here today... 4,000 years later, descendants of Abraham. Is that not true? That is true. Something happened 4,000 years ago. And I liken it to this. I was thinking, you know, it's it's kind of dramatic if you could picture when God said in the beginning, let there be light. I mean, picture everything's in complete darkness, I guess. And then all of a sudden there was light. But where did the light come from? It came from... Heavenly bodies, stars, whatever He put in the sky, right? So can you imagine His power to put millions of suns and universes into the sky? That's powerful. Four words, let there be light. And there was. But equally powerful was when God said to Abram, so shall your descendants be as numerous as the grains of sand. And if I might paraphrase that to say, God said it like this to Abram, Let there be descendants. Now, what happens when God speaks? Things happen, right? It can't help but happen. When God says that the stone produce water, water comes out of the stone. And when God says, Let there be light, there's millions of universes put into order. And when God says, Let there be descendants, what happens? There's descendants. Well, I mean, babies come out of dead wombs. And then there were 72 Hebrews. That was it. 72 on the planet one time. And there was a famine about to come and kill them all. But God raised up Joseph. He was taken down into Egypt. And there were seven years of plenty before the seven years of famine. You know the story. And so Joseph got all the grain and stored it up for seven years. Then when the seven years of famine came, he was able to keep the 72 Hebrews Alive as well as the Egyptians, let there be descendants. You remember Haman? Haman was wicked in the days of Esther, and you remember Haman got the uh, the king to try to attack all the Jews and kill all the Jews. But God foiled his plot. He raised up Mordecai and Esther, and um, they were allowed to defend themselves. In the end, let there be descendants. And you remember um, Jesus comes to earth. Oh no, I forgot about Moses. Remember Pharaoh was killing all the, uh, the newborn males in Moses' day? And Moses was born and what did they do? They took him and hit him in a basket, put him on the water, and of course he was raised and became the deliverer of the Jews. Let there be descendants. Jesus comes on the scene. He gets nailed to the cross. He's crucified. He's put six feet underneath, or he's put in the tomb, I I should say. But what happens? Three days later, he's raised from the dead. Let there be descendants. The church age is born. The Holy Spirit comes. It's poured out. These people start speaking in tongues, prophesying, doing strange things. Next thing you know, they're telling everybody about Jesus Christ. Let there be descendants. Descendants. This thing, you see that something was put in motion when God spoke those four words? Let there be descendants. So there's gonna be descendants. Whether we participate in the process or not, it's going to happen. That's pretty exciting. Four thousand years later, I stand here as a descendant speaking to my fellow descendants. Isn't that awesome? It really is. Now, what was the purpose? Of descendants. If you uh, look at Isaiah 4 6, this is what God said I, the Lord, have called you in righteousness. Why, God? And will hold your hand. I will keep you and give you as a covenant to the people, as a light to the Gentiles to open blind eyes, to bring out prisoners from the prison, those who sit in darkness from the prison house. So what was the purpose of the Jews being God's chosen people? What was the purpose of having descendants of Abraham? It was to be a light to the Gentiles. And that's exactly what happened. The Jews did blow it a lot. They were apostate. They um, had to go through some pretty severe judgment at times. Uh, But they nonetheless um, testified on behalf of the world that there was a true God, Yahweh, living in the land. And God did great signs and miracles through the Jews, right? And the people of the world, the earth at that time, knew that there was a God that was revealing Himself to the people on the earth. So the Jews did have a measure of success with that. The Apostle Paul quotes the exact same Scripture. This is what he says in Acts chapter 13. On the next Sabbath, almost the whole city came together to hear the Word of God. But when the Jews saw the multitudes, they were filled with envy. And contradicting and blaspheming, they opposed the things spoken by Paul. Then Paul and Barnabas grew bold and said, it was necessary that the Word of God should be spoken to you first. To who? The Jews. But since you rejected and judged yourselves unworthy of everlasting life, behold, we turn to the Gentiles. For so the Lord has commanded us That's interesting. I have set you as a light to the Gentiles that you should be for the salvation to the ends of the earth. Now when the Gentiles heard this, they were pretty happy about it, right? They were glad and glorified the Word of the Lord and as many as had been appointed to eternal life believed, let there be descendants. And what happened with Paul? It was his turn. 2,000 years after Abraham... They got the torch. Now they had the Holy Spirit and He ran. It was their turn to carry the baton. And what did they do? They turned the whole known world upside down with the teaching of Jesus Christ and His resurrection from the dead. And what did Paul say should be done? 2 Timothy 2.2, And these things that you have heard from me, I wonder what Paul told them. Probably one guess, right? Hey guys, go preach the Gospel and start churches and edify each other, and win people to Christ. These things that you have heard from me among many witnesses, commit these to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. Teach them what? Hey guys, do the same thing. And then pass it on so they can do the same thing. And pass it on so for the next hundred years, the Gospel spread all over the world. And through the centuries, the Gospel spread. So that today, I'm standing here, you're sitting here with the Gospel. 2,000 years Later, let there be descendants. So it's our turn, right? It really is. I mean, we're here for 70, 80, 90. 100. My great aunt, I think it was, turned 100 uh, just recently, which is pretty amazing. Um, so we have an opportunity in history to carry this torch. To see that the Gentiles in your neighborhoods and schools hear about the love of Jesus Christ. I think that's pretty exciting. And so I want you to hear today, I want you to hear some stories that people have um, where they've come to Christ or where they've been able to share Christ or, or whatever, uh, however God or the Holy Spirit has moved in their lives. And so I want you to um, just sit back and listen and, and just catch what they share, Heather. Why don't you come on up? Come on up here. I asked. Uh, I called Heather and was just asking her. I, I didn't really know much about her background, and I started asking her. You know, how did you get saved and? Um, have you ever led anybody to the Lord and i I hit Pater, her um, actually the Holy Spirit's uh, working in her so Heather, share how you came to be a daughter of Abraham um,
1: well i 'm nervous sorry. <laughs> um, I grew up in Ohio and um, with my <laughs> Ohio <laughs> um, I grew up with a in a single family home with my mom. Uh, My dad has been in and out of jail and on drugs for his entire life. And um, this way. And so the only person that was saved in my family was my aunt, who is my mom's sister. And basically, she just started going to church when she was a kid. The Baptist church bus would pick her up and so um, it was only her that was saved in the family and she would, you know, try to witness everybody and try to, try to tell the gospel but nobody really wanted to hear it until later on, a few years later. So my mom had four of us and we would go and visit and stuff and so my aunt, long story short, I went to go babysit her son one summer when I was 15 and I had been to church a few times up there I like I had no idea what a Christian was I really didn't know what it meant to you know accept Jesus or anything and so finally I went and stayed with her for that summer and and just we you know would pray and and just in the living room and I gave my life to Jesus and I just you know like felt the Holy Spirit and I really didn't know I didn't know anything about what was really going on other than that was really just God's love and I could just feel God's presence. So, basically...
0: Tell your background before you came to the Lord. Uh, really, not just briefly. Well,
1: prob- you don't have
0: to go into detail. Yeah,
1: okay. <laughs> a lot of people would probably never guess, but I was a really bad child. <laughs> and um, I was on drugs. I was... Uh, I had, I think, a 1.7 GPA. I skipped school all the time. I didn't care about anything but myself. And, um, I mean, I was just living a reckless life. And people around me weren't setting a good example either, but I was on probation, been to juvenile, the whole thing. <laughs> and so when I got saved, I mean, I had to let all that go. Like, I smoked my last cigarette. I had my last boyfriend. Like, I just had to let everything go. and. So that's kind of a little bit about the background. That's good. <laughs> okay. Mm-hmm.
0: Um, and then, so you got saved. Your aunt asked, invited you to move down. Yeah,
1: she invited me to stay with them. And that was a hard decision for me because I didn't want to leave my friends. But I thought, well, this is a good opportunity. I liked Virginia. And so I decided to, you know, spend the rest of my high school years with them. So junior and senior year in high school. And... I don't know, I just started going to church, and people were, they would ask me how I was doing, they would care about me, and I'd be like, why are they talking to me? Like, do they have some ulterior motive, you know? But people just really cared for me, and they would ask, and they would, you know, take, we would go out to eat with different people in the church and just fellowship all the time, and that's kind of how I really stuck with it. It's because people in the church really, like, cared for me. So hold your hand up Mike Sorry.
0: a little bit more. Now, once you got saved, you told me um, you were going in Roanoke, out on the streets, in the city. Yeah. At dark with <laughs> you and who and what were you guys doing? Well,
1: in, okay, so in a
0: dangerous town?
1: So I decided <laughs> to go to ministry school, um, which was a great decision. That's where I met my husband. Um It was very intense. We were full-time students and full-time ministry, and we were completely full schedule all the time. And so my friends and I, you know, we learned a lot of evangelism while we were there, but then we would, and it was in Roanoke, and we would just go out on the street, just talk to people, not really with the intentions of, you know, Bible thumping them or anything, but just being like, hey, how you doing, and just get a conversation going, you know, like, guys, like musicians on the side of the street. You know how in Roanoke they'll just be on the side of the street playing their guitar. Um, just talking to people in coffee shops and stuff and had the opportunity to share Jesus with a lot of people and plant a lot of seeds. So,
0: And then when you got saved, you also... Uh Started inviting some of your friends in high school to meetings, and what what happened with that? Yeah, this is a
1: really cool story. But when I was in high school, when I you know first got saved, I went to something called the Edge Club, and it was like a Christian club. And I was part of the leadership, and I was like learning a lot. And um, we, I met this girl in the bathroom. Her name was Aaliyah, and. I don't know. We just started talking. I can't remember how it started, but I invited her to Edge Club. And so she came, and um, she just really enjoyed the fellowship of all the other students. And, you know, you have refreshments and cookies, and you just get to know people, and then you have like a lesson and stuff. And so, Aaliyah, she gave her life to Jesus, and it was so amazing how the change that happened in her. Like, I started to teach her how to read the Bible, and how to pray and, and just going to her house and like discipling her. And um, then she invited her friend named Chris. And Chris is like, you know, tongue rings, spiked hair, big Jenko pants. Like you would never think that he would come to church. But he did. He came to church and he got saved. And we just would be picking them up every week, you know, those two. And then he invited this other friend, too. And so then we ended up, you know, picking up three people every Sunday for church, and it was just the coolest thing. It was so encouraging, so, to see that happen. Yeah.
0: And uh, and I know you've told me, um, even in your workplaces, uh, you've been reaching out to people. Yeah. You pray for people. You've invited them to church. Um, so we really appreciate the testimony mm-hmm. of youth yeah. uh, who yeah. aren't afraid <laughs> to go out and um, invite people and uh, tell people about Jesus. And then you are actually discipling people too, yeah. which is really neat to do.
1: Because most people don't really know how to read the Bible. I know I didn't know anything about how to read it or how to break. So, yeah. Yeah.
0: Let's give yeah. her a hand. Thank you so much. <laughs> <clears throat> Brother Bud, see you in the house. Would you let your 15-year-old, 16-year-old daughter go on the streets of Roanoke and witness the street people? I'm not saying it's the best thing in the world to do, but God put a zeal in her. Bud has a, uh, a testimony where uh, he's not going to share his personal testimony of getting saved, but um, how he brought the power of God into his neighborhood and descendants came about through that. So
2: why don't you share that, Bud? Yeah, we uh, we moved from Jersey and finally bought our first house out in Concord. And uh, nice house, nice neighborhood, pretty houses, green lawn, everything. Man, this is great. We're getting our first house. and. We got all done, everything and, and moved in and within a day of just moving in, all of a sudden my hammock got cut, my child's bike got stolen, all these things started happening. So what's the first thing a carnal person does? Run around. I'll find out who this is, <laughs> you know, and and say, I'm gonna find out and they just played me for a fool. Oh John did it. No, Harry did it. No, June did it, no, this way and they ran me around till finally I says, Wait a minute, I'm not gonna win here. So God says, all right, let's use what you have as far as talents. And I, said, I went around to the kids and I said, look, I'm a Christian, love the Lord. I said, I have had an unquestionable past where uh, no matter what you say you've done, uh, I'll understand because I, God took me out of a lot of things. So um, we invited them all by the house. And they came by and I said, no questions are off the table. Anything you want to know, I'll answer from the Bible. So uh, we sat down, we talked, and we went into a lot of different areas, you know, and I was able to draw things out and told them, we're living here. I'm going to be part of your neighborhood. You know, we'd like to continue to, to reach out and, and spend time and come by. And these kids started hanging out. They started coming by and asking questions. And I had someone's in the computer, and they come by and say, can you tell me how to win this game or that game? It didn't make a difference how we started doing work in the neighborhood. Uh, I reached a point where the Lord was just moving in my life, and I went out every night, and I'd spend time listening to music and worshiping and sharing. Uh, um, well, Gradually, we led kids to the Lord. We started taking the church with us, and things were going real well. But we had a, a stronghold in the neighborhood, one one actually two in the neighborhood, which didn't look like we were going to be able to win. There was nothing we could do. One of them, the, uh, the kids would always get out and, and conflict with our kids, and uh, the, the neighborhood, I'm, I also say, was mostly like farmer's home, uh, single-parent neighborhood. So it was obviously that's why we're having the problems. <laughs> but uh, the kids would come out. My kids went to shovel snow off a sidewalk, and they said, that's our sidewalk. You know, we, we have that. We've done it for years. So I had to stand out there while they did it. And the, the mother would swear and cuss and, you know, everything about it. Well, finally, they put a new roof on the house, and they moved. I had no idea why he put a new roof on the house and then move, but they did. So Karen, my wife, and me went up, and we prayed in front of the house, and we said, God, please bring a Christian family so our kids have so many. Sure enough, prayer was answered. But we still had a kid living next to us who everybody in the neighborhood was scared to death of. Uh, one of the examples of what he did, and the, co- the kids would tell me the stories, um, some kid did something that got him upset. So the kid, who was a troublesome one, Came up to the door, knocked on the door, the other boy answered the door, and he took a gun and went click. And he said, the next time it'll be loaded. So I'm facing the reality, this guy's he's a minor. I can't do anything. I don't know what I'm gonna do. He came home one night, hearing screeching in the driveway, running the house. Somebody drives up in front of his house, bang, 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 he's shooting gun off, and I'm thinking, oh my God, what's going on? We're all down on the floor thinking. What did we get into? God, what did you do? You know, and uh, as time went on, asking the Lord, what did, you know, what did you, what did you put us here for? Why? I mean, this is just too much. And basically he said, I got you exactly where I want you. Uh, uh, so we continued on for a period of time, and I'd go out, and the Lord said, whatever you tread your foot, you can claim for me. So night after night one o'clock, two o'clock in the morning I'd be out worshiping God and spending time when and sometimes they even get caught up in dance. And uh one o'clock in the morning, I ain't gotta worry, no street lights, you know, no problem. Well I just finished I just finished really getting close with God. I was having a great time. I was down on my knees I'd been dancing, and I thank God for it. I'm praising him, and all of a sudden, out of the corner of my eye, I see somebody walk by, and I thought, oh, my God, somebody saw me dancing in the street, it's so embarrassing, oh, man. So I hung my head, ran home, and hid in the house, and the next morning, somebody calls me. One of the kids calls me. His name was Bob, and I said, what do you want, Bob? He says, were you out last night? Bob, was that you? No, it wasn't me. Just tell me, were you out last night? Yeah, I was. Were you dancing? Oh, come on, Bob, now, don't do this to me, man. No, no, just tell me, were you dancing? I said, yeah, Bob, I was. He said, you know that kid who lives next door to you? One o'clock in the morning, he walked by you dancing in the street. He came by the house this morning and said, that guy is nuts. I'm never going to mess with him. (laughs) So God answered the problem just by dancing. Sometimes we don't know how God will work, but we we find ourselves in situations where just being obedient or just doing what's right in the eyes of the Lord can answer these things. And and leading, kids were coming, church, many prayers answered, peaceful neighborhood. God was faithful, and God won't be put in a box, so there's so many different ways, so many different ways to reach people and if it takes dancing, dance. <laughs> and you led uh, somebody named Mike to the Lord? Yeah, there was a, a, a young man named Mike, and he was like one of the leaders of the neighborhood, you know, hanging out and all, doing all the bad things. Gradually, he grew closer and closer, and we shared the gospel with him, and, and he accepted the Lord. And as time went on, you know, he... Uh, He would always come back and talk about that. Every time I see him, if he's got friends with him, he's not inhibited at all, and he he does it. He says, this is Bud. This is my good friend. Bud led me to the Lord. If I had never met Bud, I don't know where I'd be right now. And he would testify to whoever was there at the time that that. uh, that. And, of course, I said, well, you know, it's not just me, Bob. It's, you know, it's the fact that, uh, or Mike, that's the fact that God will work. In whatever vessel, you know, we'll do it. And, and he always, always stops by, always calls me, and talks to me, and, and says that he's so glad that he accepted the Lord. Amen. Let's give Bud a hand, man. Thanks, brother.
0: Uh, Bud didn't emphasize, but they would prayer walk their neighborhoods all the time. Uh, so he paid a price to win a neighborhood to Christ. You got to pay a price, uh, and they spent. He spent a lot of time on his knees. He spent a lot of time in praise and in prayer and walking his neighborhoods. So hopefully that's an encouragement to us to um, be praying for our neighbors and bringing forth these descendants. I want to talk about children uh, because children are very important. I don't. I've never really talked much about. Uh, leading children to the Lord. I've never really been that interested in leading children to the Lord. Um, Not that I didn't care about children, it's just we never had children. But now that we have children, all of a sudden I'm a little more interested. It's like, oh, check it out, we have children. We need to do something with these two boys. And most of you know we got two boys from Taiwan uh, in August, late August, who knew nothing about the Gospel really, uh, who couldn't hardly speak English. And all of a sudden now it's like, what do we do with these boys? We need to raise them. We need to train them. We need to teach them about the Lord, right? So, um, we started to uh, teach them. Every night before they go to bed, it uh, seemed like a good time uh, for their devotions. And we, have, we had like 10 little children's Bibles. Uh, I don't know how many we got so many, but we did. So we'd read them these little Bible stories every night and we'd talk about them. And their eyes would just be open, and they would be amazed. Uh, as we would read the Bible stories and the Word of God with them. And then we'd talk about them. And, and they loved talking about the Bible stories. Of course, they loved David and Goliath and the slingshot. So I made them slingshots and they were happy. Um, <laughs> then we would pray with them. And we would sing the children's songs. I've always, I always wanted to sing children's songs to kids. I, I did love doing that when I was in a home group for years with a bunch of children. I really did enjoy singing those songs. So uh, we would do that. And then we would pray for them and put them to bed. And I'd like to have my wife come up and, and share a, a little testimony. Um, one night my, uh, my son came to me and asked me a question, but uh, before I share with you about that, um, why don't you share with them what happened okay. with Jonathan?
3: Well, we have Jonathan who's seven and David at the time was five. And I'm doing the dishes, so I'm facing the, you know, kitchen sink, looking out the window. And Jonathan comes up behind me, and he says, Mommy, I want to ask Jesus into my heart. And I thought, well, you know, I want to make sure that this is real, and he's not, you know, this just isn't a whim. And plus, I thought it was important for John to be involved in that as Daddy. So I said, you you know, go tell Daddy, if that's what you want to do, you tell Daddy. And so.
0: so he came and uh, told me he wanted to ask Jesus to come into his heart. And um, I was kind of amazed. And and David was in there too. We were in the bedroom. And so I, I explained to them about Jesus and how He died and rose and how He would forgive us our sins and that if, if we loved God and obey God and ask Jesus to come live in our heart, we would go to heaven and be with Jesus. That was good enough for him. So... He prayed uh, to receive Jesus. Well, David is watching on, you know, as little boys do. And so after Jonathan prays, David, he's got that real sheepish, you know, kind of grin on his face, like, I want to do it, but I'm I feel a little embarrassed about doing this. And it was just the cutest grin. And he said, Daddy, could I ask Jesus too? And I said, Sure, David. And so David prayed. To ask Jesus to come live in his heart. And um, it's just awesome. It's just really awesome. But you know, um, okay, yeah, hold one second, then. Thank you. Um, but then, you know, I was thinking, my immediate thoughts were well, he just did it because his older brother did it, right? And it may be. Um, so, you know, is it valid? Should I have done it? Shouldn't I have done it? Those are the kinds of things I want to talk to you about on Tuesday night. Okay, now you continue with the
3: story. Um, The next morning, Jonathan comes in. Well, all three of us, uh, Jonathan, David, and I are in the bathroom. And Jonathan says, he's real excited. He says to me, Mommy, I feel Jesus in my heart. (laughs) And it was so cool. Then he turns to David and he says, David, do you feel Jesus in your heart too? (laughs) And David, you know, he, does, he he's a truth teller, it seems. He says, no, not yet. <laughs> no, not yet. Well, then about, I think it was like three weeks later, we had a home group. And I had forgotten about this until this morning. We had home group at our house. And David comes up, Joanne Edwards is going down the hall. And David runs up to her and says, guess what? Jesus is in my heart. And this is little old David, who's five years old. Did you know that? So yeah, he had told Joanne that. Joanne was all excited to tell me that. So apparently there's something there, and they we pray all the time. They pray, and so yeah, it's really cool.
0: Thank you. Give her a hand and give God a hand. In uh, Second Timothy one three through five. Paul said this, I thank God, Timothy, whom I serve with a pure conscience as my forefathers did. As without ceasing, I remember you in my prayers day and night, greatly desiring to see you being mindful of your tears, that I may be filled with joy when I call to remembrance the genuine faith that is in you, which dwelt first in your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice, and now I'm persuaded is in you also. Mothers, grandmothers, what more awesome thing can you do than to lead a child or a grandchild to Jesus Christ? You say fathers, grandfathers, uncles, aunts, cousins. I mean, go for it. Go for it. If the opportunity arises and there seems to be a moment where someone's receptive to receiving Christ that's in your family, I mean, what else is there to do? Make some descendants. Buck, why don't you come on up and uh, share your testimony with people? I've gotten to know Buck uh, these last really, last couple months, and he's really blessed me um, with what God is doing in his life. So, Buck, why don't you share maybe um, just how you ended up in church? and how you gave your life to the Lord and, and uh, maybe some things you've gotten to share with people
4: uh, in your workplace afterwards. Okay. Uh, can you all hear me all right? I got hearing aids and I can't tell what I'm doing. But anyway, I didn't have a real good religious home. Uh, we never prayed. We never said a blessing or anything like that. But when I was like 12 years old, I fell and busted up a knee playing baseball. I was told that knee was going to be stiff for the rest of my life, and I'd never be able to run. Well, I played four years of football and four years of basketball all the way through high school. But unbeknownst to me, i I thought it was all me. I didn't think God got any credit for any of this. So then when I was about 15, I was in a hunting accident, and got shot and didn't even get a scratch. All the shells fell all around me, the shotgun pellets, all over, but it didn't break your skin. And then on another occasion, when I was about 17 or 18 and thought to be a, a little uh, gangster, I guess you could say, <laughs> I got stabbed with an ice pick. It didn't go in very far, but went in right here. But anyway, the man brought me through that, too. In uh, 1969, I was in an industrial accident, banged up my left foot pretty bad. They were going to amputate it, and I told him no. Fourteen months later, I was playing basketball, and I played until I was 50 years old. Now, for 48 years, I never set foot in a church. I never owned a Bible. Other than to go to a wedding or a funeral, I did not go to church. And I did not read a Bible. Kelly and I got married in 2002. And we had an outdoor wedding. Now, this is amazing what you're going to hear. Everything was all set up beautifully. A thunderstorm came through, tore everything all to pieces. I mean, absolutely everything. Well, the people that were doing the uh, wedding for us, they got it all back up. And at 7 o'clock, you could not even tell that it had rained. The grass was dry. So this was God's work. And in, uh, I guess I got to Cornerstone through Gloria Good and through Kelly and Pastor Taylor. Pastor Taylor called me one day and he said, How about having lunch with me? And I told him I would, and then I turned to Kelly and I said, Here comes the big pitch now. (laughs) I I said, They don't put the big man on me. (laughs) But we had lunch and we had a very, very enjoyable lunch and we talked about everything under the sun and. Then I kept coming to Cornerstone uh, a couple of Sundays, and then I've been coming here ever since. And then through Pastor Taylor and Deems and John and Sam and everybody else here, I got saved. July the 27th. Yeah! And since then, my life has... uh, I haven't had any miraculous uh, bells going off or anything like this, but I've uh, had an inner peace that I've come to find. And through uh, God's mercy, uh, I'm learning to pray. And I'm, I'm learning to thank Him daily for all that He provides. And Lord knows He sure provides a whole lot. And I want to continue on reading His Word and understanding so that I can go work and turn some of these old heads like me to Christ also.
0: (laughs) Amen. Hold on, let me ask you a question. Um, You were in a meeting at work and there was a a woman who had some foul language. Why Why don't you tell what happened with that?
4: Well, we were having a staff meeting at, on my job and we have a young lady there that every word that comes out of her mirth is just foul, foul, foul. I mean really bad. Of course, years ago that wouldn't have bothered me too much, but now it's it's like uh, throwing holy water on the devil, I guess, as you see in the movies. That <laughs> way, I asked the plant manager to tell her to clean it up.
0: Right in they- front of her. In- in front of everybody at the meeting? Yes,
4: in front of everybody in the meeting. I, I told him, I said, you need to tell her to clean this, clean her language up. I don't have to sit here and listen to it. And I got up and left because he would not tell her to clean it up. So I just left. Now, you
0: uh you met a friend of yours, at, I think it's Sheets he used to play basketball with.
4: Boy, you remember everything. <laughs> yes, I, I met a, a gentleman in Sheets one morning. And, uh, in fact, I was on the way to church that morning and we played a whole lot of basketball through the years. And he was telling me how bad he was feeling about all the guys we played basketball with passing away. And all I did was mention to him, I said, if you get right with God, you ain't got to worry about it. And he got mad and left. Just turned around and walked right away. So, but anyway, My, my life has changed and everybody that I work with and everybody that I'm around is seeing it, and I'm I'm not trying to pull the wool over anybody's eyes. It's it's real.
0: Amen. Give God a hand for Buck. Thanks, Buck. It's <laughs> so neat that um, just through a connection with Kelly and Gloria, I think and. I believe Gloria invited Kelly to church. Is that right? And through one little invitation, Buck starts coming. And then Deems uh, was working with Buck and talking with him. And you know Deems. He didn't be talking about the weather very long if you're talking with him. Uh, So Deems led Buck to the Lord. And um, next thing you know, Buck's out telling people about Jesus Christ. And it's awesome. Because 4,000 years ago, God said... Let there be descendants. Am I right? And when God speaks, something's got to happen. So here we are 4,000 years later in the plan of Almighty God, and it's going to happen until the day Jesus Christ comes back. We can be used, or we can sit on the sidelines, and God will raise up stones as children of Abraham to do the work we're supposed to do, right? And somebody else, God will get glory through somebody else. But that's not what we're called to at this church, is it? This church, you guys are out doing the work because you just heard the testimonies from your peers. And that's exciting to me because we are doing the work of the ministry. We're going to continue doing the work of the ministry until we fall asleep or Jesus comes back with the sound of the trumpet. Amen? All right. so what can we conclude about the matter today? Number one, are you encouraged, thankful, and blown away that you are a part of the clause Let There Be Descendants? Yes, we are descendants of Abraham. We are children of God. Oh, what manner of love is this that we should be called the children of Almighty God? We take it for granted, don't we? Guys, this is an astounding thing that angels long to look into. Angels, the angels that are here right now, I don't know how many hundreds or thousands or however many there are right here, right now, they're looking down. They see, they don't just see color, they don't see ties, they don't see Whatever. They see a spiritual bride of Jesus Christ. Right? I mean, isn't that what we are? The bride of, aren't we the body of Christ? We're a spiritual entity. They see Christ in us, the hope of glory, and they're blown away. Why? Because it isn't Christ in angels, the hope of glory. It's Christ in us, the hope of glory. So we've got this light and this torch that it's our turn to carry to our Gentile friends and neighbors. Number two, will you take this torch of Christ's light to your neighbors, co-workers, and children, and even to the ends of the earth? And Matt uh, Smith just came up to me and said he really, he wants to go to Honduras. What's he want to do in Honduras? It's not vacation, right? You don't go to these foreign countries and risk Montezuma's revenge and other such things. Um, it's not a vacation. Uh, and I think Barry wants to go, and um, Rebecca said she might want to go. Why do they want to go? They got the torch. It's their turn, they're ready. Hey, let's take the light of Jesus Christ to Honduras. We're ready. And number three, will you come this Tuesday to be further equipped to do the work of the ministry that God has called us, descendants of Abraham, to do? If you can come, really appreciate it. It's uh, Believer's Fellowship on Old Graves Mill Road. And uh, I forget the address of Believer's Fellowship, but... Uh, you could ask me after the service I have the prayer team come up I wasn't going to do an article call, but I think I will um, just to give you opportunity to be prayed for. Why not? because I know that God answers prayers. And some of you may think this stuff is... I can't dance out on the streets at night. That's a little crazy. And honestly, John, I don't think I could stand up in a meeting and tell my boss to tell this woman that unless she stops using a filthy mouth, I'm out of here. I don't think I can do that. And you can't in your own strength, right? You need the power of the Holy Spirit to fill you. Because this thing, this thing isn't about us, this thing is about the Holy Spirit in us. So if anyone wants a filling of the Holy Spirit, why don't you come up to get prayer? Come up and say, I just want to be filled with the power of the Holy Spirit. For all patience and long suffering with joy. Yeah, because we have to be patient, we have to be long suffering. And we need the power of the Holy Spirit to do that. So if you want to just be filled and ask God to uh, give you and empower you for your daily life, I also would like to open it up if you're sick or you know someone who's sick because there's a lot of people out there um, that would really be appreciating you if you would come up and request prayer for them. I know that they would be blessed. So you just come up anytime. And receive prayer. Isn't God good? He's kept this thing going 4,000 years. I hope He comes today, but if He doesn't, we have a job to do. Amen? I'm just going to dismiss you and pray for you with a blessing. And... Uh, If you're a guest, especially today for the first time, uh, Pastor Taylor and and Minerva, his wife, will be out in the lobby to, to greet you. Make sure you say hi to them. Will the Lord bless all of you and the Lord keep you today? May He make His countenance shine upon you. May He be gracious to you and give you peace of God which passes all understanding. Father, I just pray a blessing that You would release healing into the families of the people in the congregation, their extended families that may be sick. Lord, I ask for mercy that You would fill people here with the power of the Holy Spirit to do the works of Jesus in this day, in this hour. Lord, we love You and we thank You that You have called us to be children of Abraham, children of the Most High God. So Lord, we're in awe. We say thank You, Jesus. Thank You for saving us. And Lord, I pray You give divine opportunities for the people in this church for this next coming weeks and months and year, That we could be a light. We could minister to people. We could hug people. We could love people. We could serve people. And we could share the good news. In Jesus' name, go in peace. Everyone said, Amen.